Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. The Soul of Business with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to The Soul of Business on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero on the phone. I am joined by Prakash Govindan, COO and co-founder Gradient Corporation. Now, water treatment isn't just a necessity. It is a growing business worth billions in the region. We delve deeper. Prakash, welcome to the show. Hi, Clarissa. It's it's lovely to have you now. For Singapore, water, of course, is a precious resource. We all know this. Could you tell us how desalinization and water filtration technology fits into our growing water needs. Yes, yes. Singapore water is indeed a very precious resource. Uh, Singapore consumes about uh, 1.6 billion liters of water a day. Now, just as a reference, that's about 800 swimming pools, uh, Olympic-sized swimming pools of water. And 45% of this water is consumed uh, for domestically for homes. There are basically four sources of this water. Uh, one is domestic catchment from the rain. Uh, the second is the imported water from Malaysia and other places. But, you know, we will focus on new water, uh, which is uh, reclaimed, uh, reused water, high purity and desalinated water uh, from the ocean water. Today, Singapore has about uh, five large uh, new water plants which supply about 40% of Singapore's needs. And it also has three large seawater desalination plants, uh, two more nearing completion in 2020, which also supply a large percentage of Singapore's needs. However, looking into the future, it gets even more interesting. By According to PUB, by 2060, Singapore's water demand is going to double from 2020. And another interesting fact is uh, about 70% of the demand is going to be for the non-domestic sector as opposed to only 55% now. And this, this puts the emphasis on the third and the fourth cap, as they call it, the desalination and the new water sources, which are both weather resilient uh, water sources. So it becomes very, very important that uh, Singapore continue to grow its uh, technology base and availability of technology with membranes, which are at the heart of both new water and water. You said it's going to double and, and not in a very long time from now. And a lot of that will come from commercial requirements. Does that mean that the water that the commercial end of things need is potable water? Uh, it, it, even sometimes purer than potable water. So if you take uh, semiconductor fabrication, for example, the requirements for uh, uh, the water quality is much higher than human consumption. So this puts a strain on uh, the new water treatment plants. Then I understand because it's how good the, is the quality of the water that is required as our use grows. But if you're saying they need very clean water, then uh, that, that definitely puts a strain on all the infrastructure that we have right now. Yes, yes. And that, that, that's exactly correct. Uh, a few things that need to be done to shore up uh, the water situation so that by 2060, we can meet all our demands. The first thing is uh, the industrial uh, water reclamation plants. So these are plants that are put within these industries at each uh, semiconductor fab, uh, pharma- pharmaceutical production industry, and so on. Have to be uh, the, that has to be adopted faster, and technology has to be put in. Second, the recovery uh, of uh, water from uh, the new water plants and the seawater desalination plants has to be increased. Recovery means the amount of water that is 
fresh water that is produced per liter of uh, uh, feed that is taken into the system. So increasing the recovery will increase the capacity of the plant. All right. Now, I think we're going into the realm of wastewater management. Or at least you started to introduce wastewater management into the conversation. I know nothing about this area. I think the average Singaporean doesn't either. Um, I don't think that we even understand uh, what happens to our wastewater. So maybe you can explain that to us. So, you know, on, on the one hand, everything you consume uh, and use from food to electronics, to clothing uh, uses water, uh, uses fresh water, high quality water, uh, different qualities of water. But on the other end, it also produces this contaminated water. So we have cutting edge technologies today, including at my company, Gradient, where we can take the wastewater and close the loop and regenerate uh, water that can be reused locally within the industry. So this is In essence, I'm saying wastewater is a circular resource. There's a lot of data out there that you can look at for wastewater, um, uh, which includes, you know, understanding water scarcity. So recently, there was a report by the International Institute for Applied Systems, uh, IIASA, which uh, uh, proclaimed that water scarcity is set to increase 74 to 86% by 2050 in the Asia region, Asia-Pacific region. And the same study also found that 40% of Asia's population uh, will be facing severe water scarcity. So unless we start considering uh, wastewater as a resource uh, and recycling it, closing the loop locally, uh, we will uh, be uh, more and more reliant on rainfall, which is not which is not ideal. In terms of uh, the economics and the market size, the global uh, water and wastewater industry is uh, somewhere in the range of 200 billion US uh, by 2025 with a CAGR of around 6.5%. And a bulk of this growth is actually driven by the scarcity in the Asia-Pacific region, where just the wastewater, industrial wastewater treatment market alone is several billion dollars. Um, and, you know, a lot of what we do at Gradient uh, is, uh, We're speaking with Prakash Govindan, COO and co-founder of Gradients Corporation. Now, wastewater management, you're saying, has to be viewed as, well, wastewater has to be viewed as a resource because of water scarcity. So now we're talking about sustainability. Now, how does sustainability considerations and wastewater management come together here in Asia and moving forward? Sustainability is pretty much the foundation. You know, we anticipate that an increased awareness and recognition uh, around wastewater as a circular resource uh, will drive the growth for us in this region. Uh, however, uh, there are other factors which are important too, including economics, especially for uh, rapid adoption. What I mean is if we are able to close the loop and make the wastewater a circular resource by also cutting costs for our customers, that's that's where we get adopted fast. Uh, one example that comes to mind immediately is a semiconductor fab that we are working with here in Singapore, uh, where they uh, currently are using new water. They are paying PUB for the new water, mm-hmm. um, a couple of dollars per cubic meter of water use. And we come in, we take their waste water, and we produce water at a lower cost than uh, new water. So not only are we cutting the stress on the new water system, which PUB like, uh, but we are also saving the customer uh, money. So everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, let's go to you and, and what we're talking about right now, because it, it really actually blew my mind that 
water and wastewater management was such a lucrative business. You've recently announced 12 projects which have a combined value of over 250 million US dollars. And you're focused, you're forecasted to deliver annual revenues of approximately 25 million US dollars. Could you tell us more about these projects? Is it about more about treating wastewater or generating new drinkable water? Typically, Gradient specializes in custom complex water challenges. Mm-hmm. So the projects range from pharmaceuticals here in Durang uh, to infrastructure, uh, power, FMCG, chemicals, textile, and water supply. So the simplest uh, in terms of treatment that we do is take river water and produce domestic waters. This is for a project in Vietnam. Uh, but we also take very, very high contaminated pharmaceutical waste waters and produce uh, fresh water for reuse in the same, the same industry. Some of the end users that we are working with uh, include uh, Fortune 500 companies in power plants, in chemicals, uh, etc. These are companies which are also very conscious of their environmental uh, footprint. So I, I meet a lot of people who are surprised with the lucrative nature of this uh, this business, but, but it's very essential. Right, it is very essential. Um, I'm actually also very intrigued by it is very essential. Um, it is going to play a really big part in any economy's growth. But also, then there is the question of how big a driver is technology and innovation going to be within this industry, water and wastewater management, in the future? Technology is the linchpin here. I mean, uh, the entire gradient success so far uh, has has relied on uh, our technology and innovation platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to recognize about water treatment, unlike you know other fields, is uh, the water uh, that we treat has varied contaminants depending on uh, what you're treating. So there is no silver bullet, so to speak. So there are nuances that differ from one industry to the other, one geography to the other. So building a company which is deeply rooted in innovation and a culture of innovation and has a very vibrant R&D is critical to uh, being able to scale uh, a business in this this industry. And and one of the things that really helps us is uh, our R&D headquarters is now here set up in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And, and the expansion in the Asia-Pacific region is, is kind of driven by that. Okay. As, speaking as a parent and, and looking at the whole question that th- seems to be a big one here in Singapore about pivoting and innovation and companies and businesses really needing to rethink what they're doing, I'm wondering if innovation and technology is such a big part of the future of water and water wastewater management, what would a person want their kids to be studying if this was an area of interest for them? Chemical engineering. Chemical uh, engineering. <laughs> <laughs> there are multiple uh, aspects here. There is also a policy aspect which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some of this growth is not purely driven by, you know, economics uh, because uh, there is a lag between uh, where the technology might be in terms of what economics it can deliver and where we need to be in terms of the environment. So uh, sort of governmental policy, which uh, uh, forces the hand of industry to adopt things like zero liquid discharge ahead of its time is important. So policy and, uh, and, and chemical, uh, chemical engineering material science. That's what I would recommend. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, before I let you go, with the 12 projects you've recently announced, 
do they create some new jobs in Singapore for us? Yes, yes. Uh, so, so we are, uh, Gradient is partly uh, funded by a grant uh, uh, given to us by the Ministry of Industry here, uh, Economic Development Board, mm-hmm. and helps us uh, hire in Singapore because that cuts our cost, uh, which is high, uh, in general higher than neighboring countries. Uh, so given that grant, we, we will start a lot of these projects uh, using Singapore talent. All right, that's good to know. We have been speaking with Prakash Govindan, CEO and co-founder Gradient Corporation. Prakash, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure, thank you. I'm Clarissa Montero for the work the, for the workday afternoon. This is Money FM eighty nine point three. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.